Hello, and welcome to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. My name is Jonathan Rosenfeld, an attorney at Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers, LLC. This podcast is here to break down the barriers when it comes to the world of personal injury law. Each podcast will go into detail about a specific legal issue or type of personal injury case, from everyday occurrences to the esoteric. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. For more information, visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. Hello, everybody. I am Jonathan Rosenfeld, and today on the Personal Injury Podcast, I have my friend and colleague, Jim Morgan. Uh, Jim is an attorney in California, and he is a named partner at Lanzone and Morgan. And the bulk of Jim's practice is related to nursing home negligence and elder abuse. And today I want to talk with Jim about one of the real emerging areas of litigation uh, in the field of personal injury law. And really this is, you know, specific to nursing home care is nursing home abuse. And uh, Jim has been practicing in this area for many, many years. And when it comes to these types of cases, um, I feel very fortunate to have him with me today to really answer some questions that people and uh, families really come to us continually uh, related to their care of their family members. So first off, Jim, I uh, really appreciate you uh, joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, today we're going to talk about um, something called you know nursing home abuse. And nursing home abuse seems to me like the most broad general term ever, you know, in, in the field of personal injury law, a lot of times, you know, Hey, we talk about a surgical error case. You know, we talk about a car accident case. We talk about a truck accident case, but a nursing home abuse case seems like it's like the most overall encompassing term ever. So I guess to begin with, can you just sort of in your mind's eye, give us an idea of what that term means. What does nursing home abuse mean? Yeah, well, you're really right on that because all the other stuff you mentioned, those are event cases, you know, where, you know, there's a car accident and that's an event. And somebody does something to somebody else. Um, that can be uh, within the realm of uh, elder abuse or nursing home abuse because you can have uh, physical abuse cases where a caregiver is hitting uh, a patient or resident or choking them, we've had those cases, or a sexual assault on a resident. But believe it or not, most of the nursing home abuse cases are neglect cases, which is really a failure to do something. So it's not an event, it's not a CNA or a nurse or a care provider doing something to the resident physically, it's more what they're not doing for the resident. So they're not giving them sufficient water so that they get dehydrated, or they're not turning them and repositioning them so that, you know, to prevent them from getting bed sores, or they're not providing enough supervision or assistance to go to the bathroom so that the resident ends up falling and fracturing their hip. So 
when we say elder abuse or nursing home abuse, most of our clients and callers, they're really talking about neglect and failing to provide proper care to the, to the resident as opposed to actually doing something to the resident. Interesting. So in most of these cases, it's sort of, it, it's really just a, a systemic breakdown almost when it comes to the care of these patients. I mean, I, you know, I've seen these cases, you, I know you've worked on many, many of these cases. Um, and it seems to me like a lot of these cases, it's not like you mentioned, it's not an isolated episode or event. It's a systemic breakdown where there's maybe not enough staff uh, available to care for these patients, or maybe, you know, the staff is not trained sufficiently to care for these people. Um, would that, is that the type of situation that you see? Absolutely. And in fact, um, you really hit the nail on the head. I, well over 50% of our cases result from lack of staff or insufficient number of staff. It's not that the caregivers are necessarily bad people who are doing bad things. I mean, we get that too, but it's really, they don't have enough time because they have so many patients. So one person can't you know, feed or give a bath to 20 different residents on their shift or two meals and a bath to that many residents. So well over 50% of our cases are a result of just the facility not hiring enough staff to take care of the residents. Uh, some of it's not necessarily not enough staff, but a lack of training of the staff. So the, the staff doesn't know how to prevent bed sores or to provide fall prevention precautions, you know, or uh, they have no training on how you get somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia to uh, eat their whole meal. You know, when they say, oh, I'm not hungry or I don't want to eat. They don't know what to do. They just say they take their tray away and they say, oh, they don't want to eat dinner. And they really don't have the training. So I'd say the vast majority of our cases come down to either insufficient number of staff or is insufficiently trained staff. Now, you mentioned a bunch of, you know, episodes uh, involving, um, you know, cases that you see on a, on a fairly regular basis, you know, falls, pressure sores, you know, medication errors, patients who may wander from a facility, patients may become dehydrated. Um, when a family member, you know, if they're now you were sort of, you know, going into uh, a new phase, if you will, of COVID where family members a lot of times are, you know, they may not have been able to see their family member for, you know, for some time over the past year. But now, you know, some of the restrictions, in, you know, in, in various areas of the country are starting to lighten up a little bit and people are able to actually get in and see their family member. Um, and they may see something where, hey, that doesn't look right to me or, hey, man, um, Grandma Sue has really deteriorated over the past year. Um, if they see that, is there anything that a family member can do? Um, you know, to, what kind of action can they take? A couple things. Let me start with the first thing that I tell my clients to do when they're getting back in the nursing homes and seeing mom or dad or grandma. 
and, and they don't want to do this, especially the men. Okay. But you need to look at them head to toe and assess them yourself. You need to look at their skin. You need to take their socks off and look at their heels and make sure they don't have any redness or black, you know, bed sores on their heels. And uh, I mean, and frankly, the number one place to get bed sores is the coccyx area, right above the butt. And, and, and listen, you don't wanna go in there and visit mom for the first time in a year and go taking her clothes off and, and looking you know, at her coccyx area. But if you don't do that, you're not gonna know what's there because most of the time they're not telling you that mom or dad's getting a bed sore. So if at all possible, I tell them assess mom or dad or grandma head to toe, especially their skin, because you don't know what kind of bed sores they may have gotten uh, while during this COVID lockdown. Um, and by the way, th that's important even when there isn't COVID. And I can tell you a case in particular where a lady said, you know, I noticed every time I went to visit my husband that they weren't changing his socks and they always told me they would change them and I'd come back and, and he always had the same socks on. So finally I changed it and she pulled off the sock and half of his heel came off with the sock because nobody ever changed his sock and nobody ever knew he had a horrible bit sore on his heel. So even in normal times, you need to assess the resident's skin, okay? That's number one. Number two, um, you know, kind of to answer your question a little more directly, if you notice, hey, there's some weight loss, um, mom doesn't look so good, uh, you need to ask questions. And you need to ask questions, not just of the caregiver who's coming in, because a lot of times that's a CNA and they don't have a lot of answers. You need to go to the head nurse or the director of nurses or the administrator and say, hey, look, when I saw mom or dad 12 months ago, I, I think they you know, weighed significantly more than they do now. Can, will you show me their weights from last year and, and how that's decreased over time? because they should be weighing them on a regular basis, especially uh, if they're losing weight. And by the way, if they lose a certain percentage of weight in a certain amount of time, they're required to report that to the state. So uh, ask questions and, and, and ask questions of the higher ups, not just the CNAs who are providing the hands-on care. Uh, now, Jim, we were talking a little bit about situations where you know, a family may, member may see their loved one with a, a situation where they, it may not be an acute injury. You know, they may not have that broken bone and they may have gone to uh, the staff at the nursing home. Um, and they may have had a meeting with them, uh, but they still don't feel like they're really making any headway in terms of um, rem remedying the situation. Um, in that context, um, what, if anything, would you suggest that they do uh, to help their family member and ensure that they don't, if this doesn't manifest into something uh, more severe uh, and, or really a fatal injury? Before I answer that, I want to tell you what I tell all my clients, which is take notes 
and take detailed notes. So every time you make a complaint or you ask somebody to do something at the nursing home, write down the date you asked them, who you asked and what you asked them so that um, you have a record of it, especially if you're gonna make a complaint to the state or somebody else that I'm gonna mention, or if you come to a lawyer, ultimately, you know, it, the more information you have, the better. So take detailed notes uh, it, it's during the whole residency. You may not think it's important at the time because there hasn't been an injury, but uh, if there is an injury, you're really going to want to go back and look, look at those notes, especially your lawyer is going to want to go back and look at those notes. Um, now, to answer your question, if a care plan meeting doesn't work, your complaints to the charge nurse, the director of nursing, the administrator, none of that works. You're, you're you know, being met with, with silence, basically. Um, at least in California, every nursing home is required to post the name of an ombudsman and the phone number. And that ombudsman is supposed to be the liaison between the family and the nursing home when the family has a complaint about the resident care. If the ombudsman, so that's the, that's the next step. If the ombudsman is of no help, okay, you can make a complaint to the state and you can, you, so for nursing homes in the state of California, you, you would call the Department of Public Health and you would ask them to do a complaint investigation. And you give them very specifically what your complaint is and they're supposed to go into the facility within 10 days unannounced and do an investigation specifically on your complaint. By the way, uh, for an assisted living facility in California, it's the Department of Social Services. So assisted living facilities, the Department of Social Services is who will do a complaint investigation. Nursing homes, it's the Department of Public Health who will do a complaint investigation. But, but, but let me say this, a lot of times if people have called us before they've called the state and asked for a complaint investigation, a lot of times I will tell them, don't do that because I don't want them to get an unsubstantiated result from the state and then I have to overcome that if there's ultimately gonna be a case. So I will either tell them, I don't want you to make a complaint uh, to the state yet, or I may help them draft the complaint to the state because they may not necessarily know how to articulate what they want investigated. So if they call us first, I'll give them advice on making the complaint to the, to the state. Um, but if they don't wanna call a lawyer and they just wanna handle it themselves, then they absolutely can call the state and ask for a complaint investigation. And, you know, in Illinois, where, where I am located, you know, you can make a complaint to the state anonymously. Um, and, you know, you don't have to necessarily give them all your information. And I'm not sure if that if that's how things work in California, but a lot of times families feel much, much more comfortable making that complaint anonymously. So they're not necessarily put on the spot. Yes. And you can do that. Um, the only problem with that, and it's, I don't want to say it's a problem, but, uh, the catch with that is you may not know what happens with that complaint. You may not know what the state did or what they found. 
if you give them your information, then you're going to get the, the results. You're going to know what they did and what they found. But you absolutely can make an anonymous complaint. Uh, to the and assuming that the um, the state goes in and you know the family makes a report to the state, and the state goes in and they they do uh, their investigation, they do uh, make a finding. Um, that finding. Now we're going to get a little technical here. That finding may not necessarily be admissible in a civil case. But that could be helpful in terms of giving you some direction in terms of prosecuting the case, correct? That's, that's right. Um, so one reason I tell them sometimes not to make a complaint to the state until I look into the case further, or I get the records and look at it, is because if the state comes back and says, well, we investigated your complaint, but we did not substantiate your complaint. That likewise might be harmful to a possible case. But uh, a lot of times the state will do a, a good job investigating. And sometimes if somebody calls us and, and asks, you know, do I have a case? Uh, and I'm kind of on the fence, you know, it's, it's borderline. I'll tell them, well, you know what? Let, let me help you write a complaint to the state. Let's let the state go in there and investigate because they can do it a lot faster than an attorney can. Um, because they can pop in unannounced and talk to people and look at records. And I'll say, you know, let's let the state go in there and investigate this complaint. And if they substantiate what you're telling me, then yeah, we might have a case here. Or likewise, if they don't substantiate what you're telling me, maybe, maybe there's not a case here. It can be very well, No, I, I mean, I think, I think, you know, people need to really take advantage of a lot of these services out there, you know, there's a lot of people love to badmouth, you know, you know, when people aren't doing things that they necessarily should be doing. But the truth is, is that there is an awful lot of um, support for people who are in nursing homes and for families. They just know, uh, need to know where to get that and how to access that. Um, and so I think this information is really, really helpful. Um, ultimately, you know, if someone does have questions, I, you know, I think contacting an attorney such as yourself, um, you know, to get some direction, get some, make some contact um, would be great. You know, you have a tremendous amount of experience, you know, you know who all these players are, all the resources are. So if anyone, you know, in California or, or any of the other states where you practice um, has questions, you know, I'm going to put your contact information in our show notes. But Thank you uh, very much for your time today. And uh, I look forward to talking with you again in the future. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. I'm Jonathan Rosenfeld. If you or anyone you know would like more information on any of the topics on the podcast, please visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Please feel free to rate the show and leave a review. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.